0: If you have your Bible, Second Peter chapter two. While you're getting there, we're going to be in verse fifteen. I want to let you know a couple of things that have come up. Number one, two weeks ago, two weeks ago today, or, or two weeks ago from today. Uh, We voted to pay off our debt and effective on Thursday, this last Thursday, uh, we had paid off our $18,000 that we had left in debt from a $50,000 loan we took out just about three years ago uh, to fix our flat roof on that building. Um, And for those of you who are new uh, and don't know, I've been here, I'm coming up on 10 years um, we have spent $300,000 almost or close to $300,000 on the building uh, just getting things up to, to standard and up to par. And I want to thank you from the bottom of our heart because the generosity that you guys have been given through ties and everything else has helped us accomplish a lot. We've replaced every furnace and AC unit except for one. We've got all brand new roofs on the building. So we say that the, the basics are taken care of and now we just continue to press forward uh, to try and use our building to the greatest potential that we can, right? We want to use our building because it is just a building. We're going to use our building to the greatest way so we can impact the city of independence in the greatest way possible. So I want to say thank you uh, for your giving. Yeah. Thank you for your, your generosity and your consistency. And I say that that's just the beginning. Because we're going to have people who are in desperate need of, of not just Jesus, but are going to be in desperate need probably over the next couple years with our current economy and things like that. And I want us to be a church that can be generous. And we're going to be smart about the way we do it, right? But we want to be generous to share the good news of the gospel and to help those out uh, as possible. So, 2 Peter chapter 2, we're continuing our Hold Fast series. Uh, obviously, great song. And, matter of fact, I'd, I would venture to say this, and I hope you would feel the same way, that regardless of if we had sound or not, we're going to stand and we're going to sing and we're going to worship because that's the beauty of the gospel. That's where we get to celebrate. We're going to remember everything that Jesus has done and we're basically just proclaiming his goodness, right? I always say this, music isn't about me. It's not about what I like. It's not about what I prefer or anything else like that. As a matter of fact, you would know uh, if you've been here a while. I remember telling my wife, I don't want to do that song and she goes, get over yourself because it's not about you. I was like, all right, Fair. 2 Peter chapter 2. uh, We're continuing this whole fast series and we're going to be talking about or continuing this idea of the the dealing with false teachers and then Jesus' second coming. And I want you to remember this, this 2 Peter warns believers in churches about false teachers. That's what he's literally addressing. He says, listen, there's going to be false teachers are going to arise. They're going to step up and he's going to tell them. He tells them all about their lifestyle, which is what we covered a little bit last week or two weeks ago, sorry. And he's going to urge Christians, listen, to be ready for Jesus coming. And if we were to sit back in today's kind of climate or culture, we could oftentimes sit back and go, man, maybe maybe Jesus is going to be coming soon, right? And while we can sit back and go, yeah, maybe, my thought process is we just don't know. We don't know the time or date. The Bible's very clear about that. That no one knows, not even the son knows. That the son, when he's told by the father to go, he's gonna come back. And so when I hear anybody sit back and go, I know when Jesus is coming, there's sign number one, you're a false teacher. I was just gonna be clear, right? The minute that person goes, I know when Jesus is coming. Eh, right, you remember, you remember the family feud? Name the top five things that you know Jesus is coming. I know it, eh, you know, whatever. So anyways, um, that was free. So 2 Peter chapter 2. <laughs> I'm wandering here. 2 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 15. Would you stand with me as we read? We're going to read through chapter 3, part of chapter 3. It says this. Keep in mind, this is reminding us about false teachers. They have left the straightway and they have wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor. Now, I like to say this, because if you know the son, or do you know the story about Balaam, Uh, Balaam was uh, on a donkey, right? And it says, son of Beor, not son of Eor. So um, anyways, uh, they have left the straight way, wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech, who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These men, these false teachers, are springs without water. They are mists driven by a storm, blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty boastful words. And by appealing, listen to this, by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them to not have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to his vomit and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. Dear friends, this is now my second letter written to you. I have written both of them as reminders. I want you to keep this in mind. As reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. First of all, you must understand in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the same word that was used to create things, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your promise, for the hope. We know that you spoke all, three, all things into existence, and we know that your word tells us that there are going to be false teachers, and these false teachers are going to tell us that things are okay, that we can continue to walk in sin and not worry about holiness. But you have given us this letter, just as Peter said, to stimulate us to wholesome thinking. To think about what it means to walk in righteousness. What it means to be set apart and to be different. And to remember that you are coming back because you are sending your son Jesus back for us. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for the promise. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, if you guys remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about a fake watch I bought when I was in Thailand. Now the beauty of it was that I got a watch that everybody else thought was really expensive, right? The first time I said I took it in to the to the watch guy, I said, "Hey, I need a new battery. This battery's dead." He's like, "Ooh, that's a nice watch. It's a Breitling," and I was like, "Yeah, it's not. It's fake." And he's like, what? And he, sure enough, you know, he replaces the battery and he tells me, yeah, it's fake. Once I got inside, I could see it. And that's the reality of how you can oftentimes identify a fake. From the outside, they may look realistic, but inwardly, we can tell the difference. And the jeweler knew exactly what the issue was. He said, like, this is definitely a knockoff because the inside is completely different. And my joke was honestly, right, that it cost me more to put a battery in the watch than I paid for the watch in the first place. Right? So that's how we can identify a fake. And Peter is giving the believers at this time, when he writes this letter, a reminder and an encouragement. Listen, here is how you can identify those false teachers. Here's what's going to go on. And in 2 Peter chapter 2, we kind of dug into that just a little bit, but we're going to dig in just a little bit more. There are characteristics that we see here in 2 Peter that help us out. And these characteristics are, are the truth, Right? These characteristics are the hope that we can have where he's saying, hey, here's here's how you identify him and here's what you need to be prepared for. Here's the direction we're gonna be going. So he's giving these believers hope. Now, I want you to keep this in mind. As a matter of fact, I don't think I even have this on the slide, but I want you to remember this. False teaching leads to false hope. This is our big idea. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this. False teaching leads to false hope, but God's promises or God promises hope in Christ and his second coming, right? False teaching leads to false hope, which is what Peter unpacks, right? That these guys who are teaching false things are presenting a false hope to people who, who are looking for answers and directions in life, but yet at the same time are chasing a false reality, something that is completely fake. As a matter of fact, this last week, right, we just had, we just had Halloween, and on Halloween, what do we do? We, we, we get people all dressed up in masks, right? They go around, they trick or treat, but the reality is it's all fake, right? We're, we're dressing up as things we maybe want to be or things that we envision, things that are different, but there's this false reality. But false teaching leads to false hope. But listen, God promises hope in Christ and his second coming, that's the important thing. So here's what I want to do. Starting in verse 15, I want to talk about the characteristics that we've already started to, to look at it earlier in 2 Peter chapter 2, the characteristics of false teachers. It's important that we identify these. Number one, it says this in verse 15, they have left the straight way. In other words, they have wandered off the path. They've wandered off the narrow road, right? The road that leads to Christ, the road that leads to to repentance and forgiveness. They've wandered off this road and they've dabbled in every other thing under the sun. They begin to look for answers and directions in everything else but Jesus. And these false teachers are literally, have left the straight way. As a matter of fact, if you were to look back earlier when we just looked at it, it said that they were full of adultery, they never stopped sinning, and they seduce the unstable. Listen, here's one of the realities about false teachers. They find unstable people to support them. In other words, I would even say it in this way. When you have a person who claims to be a follower of Jesus and begins to teach false things from scripture, they usually find unstable people who don't spend enough time in the Word. And this is what I would always say. This is, matter of fact, this is, this is my coaching or my encouragement to you. If you see something that you feel doesn't line up with Scripture, and I would say it, that you would come to me and go, hey, I got a question or a clarification first and foremost, and find out what I said. Listen, enough preachers talk enough that sometimes we tangle words, okay? So I'm not going to dismiss that aspect. But anything that would not line up with Scripture is something that has to be addressed or talked about, discussed, right? Why? Because unstable people rely upon the person teaching to be the one who's going to lead them in everything. And we begin to repeat exactly what they say instead of going, hey, how does that line up with scripture? Is that exactly what scripture is telling me? Does this have more merit in scripture besides just what this person is saying? All right, so it's important because they left the straight way. And listen to what it says they wandered off to follow the way of Balaam. Now, I just talked about this just a little bit, but I want you to understand what's going on here. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 26 through 28, it says this See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. Right, The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I've commanded you today by following other gods which you have not known. So that's the wandering from the straight path. But then it says this. It says that these false teachers follow the way of Balaam. Now, I just referenced that a little bit, but I want you to understand who Balaam was. Balaam is an interesting character, Right? He was hired by Balak, the king of of Moab, to stop the Israelite invasion. The Israelites are moving into the promised land. This prophet shows up, Balaam. Balaam is supposed to be a prophet for the people of Israel, but he's hired by Balak, the king of Moab, to, to basically stop the invasion upon the Moabites. And so Balaam consults God on what he was to do. But listen, here's what happens when you read about Balaam. Balaam chose his own way. God tells him to do something, Balaam says, no, nah, I'm going to do my own thing. This is a prophet, right? A prophet is one who was supposed to speak on account of or in the, to speak the words of God. And so he agreed to prophesy at the bidding of Balak, listen, in return for personal gain. In other words, money. Hey, I'll pay you this much money if you'll just prophesy against the nation of Israel. And so Balaam does. Balaam steps up and he basically decides he's going to follow his own way. And on the way of doing that, he begins to go down the road. And listen, here's what's crazy is that God sends an angel to stop Balaam. And if you know anything about the story, it's, he doesn't see the angel. This angel of the Lord appears on the path to stop Balaam and the donkey sees it. Now, I had a pastor when I first, uh, when I first did an internship in uh, Springfield who came up to me? He was a King James. Uh, he uses a King James Bible, and he said, "Hey, what do you think about the sermon title? When Balaam's donkey started speaking, he should have listened." And you could put that in King James version, right? If you know King James, right? And and I was like, "Oh, dude, you're gonna get fired." <laughs> that was my first thought. Oh my gosh, you're gonna get fired. He goes, "I wouldn't really use that as a sermon title, but I just think it's great." I'm like, "Are you gonna read it out of the King James?" And of course he did, but it was just one of those things. Listen, this is the whole idea here of, of like dumb and dumber, right? That the, the Lord shows up and the dumb donkey actually sees something that the prophet can't even see. And then what happens is the donkey tries to go around the angel or avoid the angel and he smashes Balaam's foot in a wall. And Balaam gets off, his, gets off the donkey and whips the donkey and the donkey speaks, And basically tells him, and all of a sudden it's like, oh. And then Balaam sees the angel of the Lord. And so listen, it's important for us to understand what happens with these false teachers. Because when the donkey spoke, he should have listened. Like he should have listened a long time ago. But listen, Balaam loved the wages of wickedness and was rebuked for wrongdoing. So it's important that we identify what's going on because it says that they follow the way of Balaam who loved the wages of wickedness, but he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey. And listen, it says, who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. False teachers will go into the direction of madness and chaos They will mislead people, oftentimes unstable. And so it's important. Listen, they have left a straight way. Number two, here's a characteristic we see. They are springs without water. In other words, a spring with no water is what? It's useless, right? It's dry. You're not getting any nourishment. You're not getting any uh, water. You're not getting any sustenance. You're not provided any sort of of, of, of thirst quenching ability. Matter of fact, in John chapter four, it says that Jesus answered, "Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again." He's talking about the woman at the well. But listen, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them, listen, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Do you hear what he's saying? These false teachers are springs without water. But listen, anybody who is in Christ, anyone who has put their faith and trust in Christ, anyone who has followed Christ, admits and confesses and repents of their sin and follows Jesus, has a spring of water that's welling up inside them because they have eternal life in Christ. And that's the spring that is everlasting. It's going to be given forever. John chapter 7, it says, the one who believes... Jesus said, as the scripture said, in me will have streams of living water flow from deep within. So it's important that we keep in mind that these false teachers, number one, they have left a straight way. Number two, they're springs without water. Number three, it says they're mists driven by a storm. Last year we were hunting and uh, this fog came in. And I mean, it was thick fog. This isn't a normal Wyoming fog. Like in Wyoming, it's usually so dry. We don't see a lot of fog. But this fog came in. I mean, you couldn't see 30 yards in front of you. And in the midst of that, we were down hunting and we know enough of the land that we were able to get out. But we happened to earlier had passed two four-wheelers on the side of the road. Well, we left that day and saw the two four-wheelers again. No big deal. Well, we came back the next morning and still saw the two four-wheelers. I was like, oh, that's not good. And about 30 minutes later, we hear three gunshots, which if you know anything about hunting, when you hear three gunshots, that's distress signal, hunters lost. And what had happened is these guys had gotten into this thick, dense storm, this mist that was just kind of around them and they got lost. They got turned around. They got an elk down and in the midst of getting the elk down, they lost where they were at. And I don't know how, because in today's world, we got GPS, you got phones, you got everything else, but... They were lost. They ended up spending the night out overnight, dropped to like 20 degrees, they built a fire in the rock, stayed warm, and they got out earlier that day. But listen to what happens. Just like mists that are blown around by a storm is exactly what happens with a false teacher. And listen to what it says. It says that the blackest darkness is reserved for them. In other words, it's important for us to understand that teachers are held to a higher standard. And when somebody begins to teach false things, that God begins to turn his back on what they're teaching. And he says, listen, when you go away from me and you go away from the truth of my word, then the blackest of all darkness will be reserved. And here's the reason why. Because in God or God is light in him, there's no darkness. But if I am in the midst of darkness, that means God is nowhere around. And so these are the characteristics we continue to see. Number five, they have empty words. This is what it says. These men are springs without water, mist. They mouth empty and boastful words in verse 18. And by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping. So listen, these empty words that they mouth mean nothing. In other words, they're very good at being a used car salesman. I hate to say that because we have one here that used to be in that, but I mean, it's just one of those things that we oftentimes end up playing in our mindset. Listen, actions speak louder than words, and oftentimes words can be very empty and very vague. But listen, these words, they appeal to the sinful human nature, and that's exactly what false teachers will do. They mouth empty boastful words, and by appealing to the sinful human nature, listen, here's the truth about Christ. Here is the truth about what Jesus wants to do. Jesus comes in and takes over. Jesus comes in, and you are now a servant or a slave of King Jesus, And when Jesus comes in and takes over, then we don't mouth empty boastful words. We don't continue to go, well, I'm gonna still dabble over here in sin, but I want my Jesus too, because Jesus came in, he bought you, he purchased you, you were deemed by the blood of Jesus on the cross, and he calls you, he calls me to be holy, to be different, to be set apart, to stand out. But a false teacher, I would say, oh, it's not that big a deal. Right? And this is happening in churches galore, like crazy. Continue to walk in your sin, you're okay. No, you're not, right? That's the biggest lie you could ever have. And here's one of the things I would venture to say, and here's one of the things I think we have to begin to unpack. If you can walk into sin and you have no remorse, regret, dissatisfaction, or conviction from the Holy Spirit, you should seriously consider your salvation. Because walking into sin, when you are in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you and the first thing you're gonna get is serious, heavy conviction that you are not living right, you are not doing right, you are not following right and you are not letting Jesus be all around you in every way. Sin is a battle. It's a frustration. It's a struggle. And please hear me out when I say this right? We're all in that battle stage. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I'm sinless because that's a lie. First John says that. Anyone who claims to be without sin is a liar and the truth is not in him. There's false teacher number two, right? I'm not gonna tell you that life is easy, that it's not about, but it's a battle that you need each other. We need each other to walk through because when I deal with sin, I can go to a brother or sister and say, bro, this is my struggle. This is what I'm having. Here's the heartache and the hardship. But listen, if you go through it and you have no remorse and no regret, then you begin to ask because empty words Empty words that appeal to the lustful desires of human nature. Now, I don't know about you, I find it very easy at times to go, man, if I just had, what is that? To a certain extent, it's envy, but it's also lusts, right? If I just had this, if I just had that, if I was just a little better on this side, those things would be good when the reality is God has you right where he wants you. That God wants to provide for every opportunity and option. Number six, they entice people who are escaping from error. Here's what happens: this is going back to what he says. Says they appeal to the lustful desires of sinful human nature. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. Here's how that plays out. Right, somebody begins to walk away from their life. They confess. Jesus. They, they're going to repent. They're going to follow him. They believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And then here comes a false teacher. Oh, you don't need to do all that stuff. Come on back here. You can still hang out with us, us hoodlums, right? You don't have to change. You don't have to do anything different. And so they entice these people who, who have a, a recent conversion, and he draws them back into that error, into the way of the error. And listen to what it says. It says they promised them freedom. That's number seven. They promised them freedom, but really they are leading just as they are. They're leading everybody into depravity. Listen, there is a way in this world that says this. Freedom, if God really loves you, he will let you do what you want. That's true freedom. Be who you are, right? But here's what scripture says. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And when we play this out, what false teachers do is they promise this freedom. You have freedom to do whatever the heck you want. But here's the truth, that when we do what we want, oftentimes we chase after the sinful desires. And when we chase after the sinful desires, what we end up finding is that we're enslaved to the sin within us. It's easy, I'm never gonna deny this, it is easy to continue to walk in sin. It is difficult to allow Jesus to sit on the throne in every circumstance and situation It is difficult to listen to the Holy Spirit, especially, listen, if you're not, if you are not in a daily relationship with, if you're not growing and investing in your life, it is easy to walk into the sin that so easily entangles. Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to read it real quick just so you can kind of get what's going on. But Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. See, I don't know about you, but my lost friends will always tell me things like this. Well, God just doesn't want you to have fun. Okay. That may be a legitimate concern on your part, but what I can tell you is this, that the freedom that Jesus offers has been a lot more fun and fulfilling than all the crazy stuff that I did before I was a follower of Christ. That Jesus' freedom is a freedom that gives me life and life more abundantly. Whereas the freedoms that so many people talk about is in reality leading them into depravity. And that depravity leads them down a road that they just continue to dig a a hole deeper and deeper. And then they go, I don't know why my life's so messed up. Well, I do. Your life's so messed up because you continue to follow your own way instead of following Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And so those are the seven characteristics that, that, that Peter wraps up with right here. But listen, it says, if they had escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. So here's the reality, right? That if you're a new believer, listen, Satan is going to come at you hard and heavy. And oftentimes, he's going to put people in your life that are going to speak falsehood and false hope into you, saying, you don't need to change. You don't have to do anything different. Like Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves you, but Jesus has a standard. God has a standard. And here's the reality of what we're seeing here is that those who don't follow the standard, those who don't follow the law, those who don't live up to what Christ has called them to, right, are gonna walk into the depravity because God says, I will turn them over to their depravity. Romans chapter one. Like there's a point in time where God continues to work and work and work and work and work and the rejection over and over and over again finally says, fine, it's not that God doesn't love you, God still loves you. But there's a point in time where God says, fine, you're just gonna go and wander off and do what you wanna do, I'm gonna let you go. And that's exactly what happened with the Israelite people. God says, you guys wanna walk in sin? Fine, you're gonna walk in sin. For the next 40 years, you're gonna walk in a barren desert wasteland. And so listen, When you're dealing with sin and that sin is the very thing that you chase after and you chase after and you chase after and then the question goes, why don't understand why my my life is a barren desert wasteland? Because you continue to chase after sin instead of running after the Lord. And listen, you don't have to run far because Jesus is right there. Jesus continues to pursue you. Even in the midst of your sin, he's pursuing, he's pursuing, pursuing. All you got to do is Turn around. So here's three truths I want you to remember based off this and we're going to jump into chapter 3. Three truths to remember when dealing with this, because it's important. There's a a reason why what's going on here in this text. Paul's warning them of the false teachers, right? But then he wants to remind them of these things. Number one, that Jesus is coming back. This is the utmost priority in 2 Peter, that Jesus is coming back. False teachers have arisen. They're saying Jesus ain't coming back, but listen to what he says, and I want you to remember this, all right? Here's the three truths to remember. Number one, recall the words of truth. Listen to what he says in verse one. Dear friends, this is my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to what? Stimulate you to wholesome thinking. So here's this recalling the words of truth. He wants to stimulate the believers to holy thinking, to be separate, to be wholesome, to be set apart, to be righteous, to walk in the ways of truth. So Peter writes this letter to these people, these believers, to stimulate their wholesome thinking. To be reminded of the truth of God's word. Recall the words. Listen is what he says too. Recall the words of the prophets and the commands of Jesus. That's what he says in verse two. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Here's the command. Jesus told the apostles at the point where he's going back to the Father, at the ascension, right, that he would come back. That's a promise. So when I'm doubting or discouraged or struggling through these situations, I have to recall the words of truth. What's the words of truth? What the prophets said and what Jesus promised. Because Jesus promised he was going to come back. And all the apostles, all the letters, even with Paul's letters, talk about Jesus coming back. And then we see in Revelation that it's a promise as well. There's a lot of things we can't understand or necessarily know completely in Revelation because it is futuristic, but we know that Jesus is coming back. And so I remember the gospel is a constant thing in my life that I recall the words of the prophets. I recall the good news of Jesus because Jesus' death on the cross is the good news. His death, burial, and resurrection purchased my life. He bought and paid for the sins that I couldn't pay for on my own. And it gives me the hope that in some future point, whether by my death or Jesus coming back, that I will be with him forever. See, scripture declares Christ returned repeatedly by the prophets, by the apostles, and by Jesus himself. So when I'm dealing with or remembering what's going on, I have to remember these truths. Number one, I recall the word of truth. Number two, I have to remember that scoffers will rise, that people are going to come back. Matter of fact, look at what it says starting in verse three. You must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own. Evil desires. Matter of fact, it says this: they will say, Where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has been since the beginning of creation. So listen: here's the same question that maybe some of your friends, oh, you really believe that Jesus is coming back? Like, time continues to go on. My father went through life. Their father went through life. This father went through life. All these fathers have gone through life and it's the same old, same old. And that's exactly what's going on currently. That's why when people say, you really believe Jesus coming back? You better believe it with all my heart. Why? Because Jesus promised it. Just as Jesus promised that he was going to go to the cross, that he was going to die for my sins and he was going to rise again, He promises he's coming back. And you better believe if three already added up, the number four is coming. So listen, scoffers are going to rise. And listen to what it says in verse five. They deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, here's the important thing to understand, right? By God's word, all of heaven and earth were created. All of everything, right? Go back to Genesis chapter one. In the beginning was the word, or uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and He did it through His word. <coughs> Excuse me. But it also says that it was formed out of water and by water. <coughs> but in verse six it says, "By these waters also the world at that time was delusion destroyed," which is referencing the flood. So the word created and spoke everything into existence and by that same word, <clears throat> thank you, I don't know what the heck happened. <clears throat> but by that same word, there was the promise that he was gonna destroy the world. Genesis six, Genesis seven. Here's the beauty of that, right? He destroys it through the flood, but he, then he relents and he says, I'll never destroy the world again. Listen, until Jesus comes back. Because here's what he says now. By that same word, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Here's what's important to remember. We talk about scoffers rising and here's the last thing. You have to remind yourself of God's promises. In Revelation chapter 20, it says that when Jesus comes back, that the earth will be destroyed at one point. And there's gonna be a new heaven and a new earth, right? And that everything else that existed is gone. The sun and the moon and the stars, they're not, they're not gonna exist anymore because God is light. And it says that God lights up the heavens. That's the very glory of God. And so when we talk about this, right? When we think about false teachers and the darkest darkness being reserved for them, and yet the God is light, that, that he promises That this is what's going to happen. And while some people may sit back and go, oh, come on, you really believe that? Listen, everything that Scripture has shown has lined up. Everything that Scripture teaches has happened. Everything that God said would happen is going to happen because it's already happened in some circumstances and instances. And everything that hasn't happened yet will happen because God promised it's going to happen. And so it's important for us to understand and hold fast to the truth of what God teaches us in Scripture because as we hold fast, it's the idea of just as a pirate would go through the ship or through the the storms, you ever hear the stories where they would literally tie themselves to the wheel as they would go through the storm so they wouldn't leave? They were holding fast to the the stir, to the the whatever, the, the stupid wheel, I just lost it. and I can't remember. I was in the Navy too. That's a bad Navy guy. Um, Golly, ship's wheel, whatever it is. But they were, what? Thank you, helm, good grief. I'm brain dead. (laughs) But they would tie themselves to the helm so they could get through the storm. And listen, that's exactly what it means when we talk about holding fast. But what we're tying ourselves to is to God. To Jesus Christ, to the truth of His word, because when we go through the storms, when everybody's cast in doubt, when the mist and the fog is all around, because they're like mists that are being blown around the storm, that we hold fast because we are anchored to the truth of God's word. We are anchored to the Savior in Jesus Christ, and we have the hope that when the Father says it's time, Jesus is going to come back and He's going to redeem and restore all things. And here's my question: Where are you at? Do you feel like maybe you've been misled by false teachers? Maybe you've given in to this idea of, of, of our culture and economy that just says, it's okay, everybody's going to be all right in the end. Or have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and resurrection for your sins, for my sins, so that I can walk in new life? that I can experience the life that Jesus promised, the abundant life that he says I will give you because I will provide in every circumstance and situation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy in sending your son Jesus. And we know, we know because you tell us that scoffers are all around us, that there are gonna be some who try and mislead us and lead us in the wrong direction. Maybe they try and lead us down that dead-end road or through the road closed sign, who knows. But God, we know that you are faithful, that your word is true, and you call us to hold fast to you, our anchor and our hope. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.